Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, would you prepare just to turn to Ruth chapter 3 and also uh, James chapter 5. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18, that verse we're continuing on in these Sunday mornings in the book of Ruth. And also James chapter 5 and verse 7, we'll read verse 7 and 8 there. So Ruth chapter 3, as you're turning, we'll pray. Thank you, Jesus, this morning for wonderful sense of your presence that's here among us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege again, Lord, to come round your word. We pray for your anointing upon the preaching of your word today, that you would glorify, the Holy Spirit would glorify Jesus, that our hearts and our ears would be unstopped. And Lord, that indeed, Lord, your word would be mixed with faith and there would be fruit in this house today, Lord. We would apply your word to our hearts, Lord. Would you speak into every life in this room? Lord, would you speak to us corporately, individually? We pray for the anointing upon your word as it is proclaimed across these islands. Lord, across this world today, we thank you. The only hope is your word. The only hope is Jesus. So, Lord, we pray for your anointing upon all things, and we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. We just stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Ruth chapter 3, verse 18, just that one verse. If we could all read it audibly together, Ruth chapter 3 and verse 18. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until I know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Remain standing, James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Let's read it together. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You may take your seats this morning. Praise the Lord. We've been looking at this wonderful book, the book of Ruth, and following the journey of Ruth, of Naomi, of Ruth, of Arpa last week in particular, we mentioned her and the journey that they'd taken and how the Bible reveals this wonderful story of how God works and the dealings of God in a life. And we're coming back here just at a time uh, we just finished off last week. I want to pick up on it again, but um, in verse 22 of chapter 1, if you just look at it, uh, just the timing of God. Someone prayed this morning. I'm not, I can't remember who it was. It wasn't that long ago, but I know what they prayed. They prayed about the right time and being in the right time and being in the spirit and being in the right time. Well, time is so important in, in the Lord. It really is. It's important to know that timing is so important. And verse 22, we see here after Orpah had gone her way that Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite asked her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. I want you to note that the scripture is there. It tells us that for a very particular reason. Many people know God's time is perfect. It's perfect. God has a timing for everything. And here you see these two women uh, coming into Bethlehem. We have looked at, uh, at Naomi and her journey, what she's come through. She, she left fools. She left with the husband and two sons. 
And she's come back. She has lost her husband, her two sons, her daughter-in-law. One daughter-in-law has come back to the land of Moab. And Ruth has cleaved to Naomi. But they come back. And we, we looked at it last week in a little bit more detail. But when Naomi comes back, she says, I, I, I left full, but I've come back empty. Don't call me. Don't call me Naomi any longer. Call me Mara because of the experience of the dealings of God in her life has left. That word Mara simply means bitter. And her name meant pleasant. Naomi meant pleasant. And now she's come to a place where this is a bitter experience in her journey, as it were, with the Lord. But they arrive back here at a very important time. It's a crucial time. And the timing of God is so important in understanding even how God deals with us. And we see these two women just coming into Bethlehem again. I would ask you to try this for a moment to picture it. They've been away for at least 10 years. Uh, Ruth, this was all new to her. She was from the land of Moab. Naomi, she was coming back to her homeland and into Bethlehem. The last time she left, it was a completely different scenario because when she left, the reason that they left was there was a great famine in the land. So the fields were barren. The ground was barren. It was dry. There was no food. And people were dying. There was a great judgment upon the land. And that's how she left it. But when she's returning home, the Bible tells us here, it's at the beginning of the barley harvest. And what a completely different time. What a completely different scene. If, if you could picture uh, this just in your mind for a moment. And it's wonderful to see the fields when they're just ready to be harvested. When the barley has come up and the timing is ready and there's a ripeness across the fields. Isn't it a beautiful scene when you see the, har the harvesters getting in and the farmers getting in to harvest those wonderful fields that are just so yellow right across the hills and the valleys. And now the whole scenario, the whole season has changed. And, and Naomi and Ruth are walking down into Bethlehem. And I have no doubt that they would have stopped to gaze upon this, this wonderful uh, harvest that was before them. Such a different season. There was a time, of course, when they left broken and, and, and they left in the famine and they left because they were hungry and there was a death and there was a dearth and there was a judgment but now they're coming back and they see all around them that the fields are full they're ready to be harvested it was harvest time the whole season had changed God had brought them through because he promised that he will be with us in the valleys he'll be with us in the flood he'll be with us in the storms but now the whole season the whole season has changed for Naomi she, she in her heart I know that there was an emptiness because she confessed that she said don't call me Naomi but as she's walking in and with her physical eyes she's seeing in the natural a whole harvest before the fields were white on the harvest it was the harvest time and you know it's so important to, to understand some principles of faith of what had happened here because you remember, if you look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 6, the reason why Naomi is walking down this path and walking back into Bethlehem, because it tells us, and we looked at it a few weeks ago, she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. What happened here? This is important in faith. What happened here is that Naomi heard now, what does the Bible tell us in Romans 10 and 17? That faith comes by what? 
by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now listen, this is so important. I know we know it well, but Naomi heard there was the hearing of faith. She heard that there was a visitation of the Lord in Bethlehem. When she heard that, then she was going to act on the faith, on the things that she had heard. So when the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, that's hearing of of God's precious word, then that in itself, faith entered into her heart. and her circumstances, she was in the land of Moab. She had buried her husband. She buried her two sons. She had, of course, Arpa and also and, and also Ruth. But that, that word entered into her heart. And because she believed that word, because she believed the word that came to her, that then Naomi was willing to get up from the place that she was in. I want you to hear me this morning. This is so important because someone might find themselves in a rut or a spiritual trench this morning that are sinking deep in mire and under all the darkness and all against the powers of hell. But there's a word that comes right down into horrible pits. There's a word that reaches down into where we are. And that is a word of faith that comes from the throne of grace. That God has a word for you this morning. That God has a word that brings you out of where you are. If you're willing to hear this morning with these ears and that heart. And you're willing to act on the word of the Lord. That word will bring life. It brings healing. It brings deliverance. It sets the captive free. And so Naomi heard the word. She had buried her husband. Look at the circumstance. She had buried her sons. She had two daughter-in-laws. And she's far from home. But there's a word that comes that she hears. And because she heard that the Lord had visited his people with bread, she was willing to get up from where she was. She was willing to act on the basis of the word of God. And it's so important that what we hear, we act with what we hear. Look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. I show you how important it is. It's just not enough this morning for us to hear a sermon. It's just not enough to hear a good message. But we, the hearers, have a responsibility to do something with what we hear. In Hebrews 4 and verse 2, the Bible says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not what? It did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. So this morning there's a gathering of the people of God. There's a, there's a people that are gathered. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the preaching of God's word is being proclaimed. And we hear it by faith. We hear God's word. But what's so important this morning, friends, we sang a song, you won't leave here as you came in Jesus' name. Did we sing that this morning? Well, the reality of that song is this. You don't have to leave here as you came. You don't have to, friends. But when you hear the word of God preached, when you hear the gospel proclaimed, then as Paul is writing here in Hebrews 4, the gospel is preached. That's the good news. That's the full counsel of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, it was preached to all of them, but it did not profit a certain section. This is what Paul's saying. He could have preached. He's the great preacher, but he could have preached day and night. 
But unless there's a mixing of what we hear with faith, it doesn't profit us anything. We could hear sermons all day. We could get the greatest of preachers to come and to visit with us and proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ in season and out of season. They'll stand and proclaim the truth of God's word. They'll open the scriptures. They'll br- the spirit of God would breathe upon the word of God and anoint the word and the scripture and the gospel is preached and the full gospel is preached that Christ is enough, that the blood is enough, that he sets the captive free, that he breaks every chain, that he delivers the oppressed, that he opens blinded eyes, that he heals those that are sick. He sets the captive free. But friends, if that word is not mixed in our hearts with faith, it doesn't profit us anything. We leave then the same way in which we came. I want to tell you, friends, it's not God's purpose that any one of us leave the same way in which we came. But what do we do? We have an act here. Look at Galatians. If you turn over, just to labor on this for a moment because it's so important. We can't just fill our intellect with sermons. There has to be an act on our part of what we hear. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul writing to them, and we know the circumstances with the church here was falling back into law and falling back into ritual and falling back into the ceremonial aspect of the law. And Paul writes to them in Galatians 3 and 1, O foolish Galatians, look what he says, Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth and crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Look what he said to them. They had fallen back into a form of bondage. They had fallen back into ritual. They had fallen back into their feigned tradition of their fathers. Christ has come. Look what he talks about. The truth. What does the truth do to a man or a woman? The Bible says the truth. What does it do? It makes us free. Praise the Lord. We heard people saying, I'm praising the Lord this morning. I'm free. Praise God. I've been set free. There's no chains. We've been set free by the power of the blood of Jesus. And now through tradition, then they were starting to sort of slide back in to the bondage, to the rituals, to the the chains of of religion and tradition. And and Paul said, oh foolish Galatians, what's happened? Why has this happened to you? Why is it that you've slid back into the tradition? And then he says these words, these important words, receive ye the Spirit. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law. Or by the hearing of faith. How do you receive the things of the Spirit? Jesus said that when he comes, he will take of mine and he reveal it unto me. Everything of who I am, the Holy Ghost will reveal that into your life. Everything of what I am to you. What I am to come into your life and to change your life and to lift you and to carry you and to, and to break the chains and the mental torment and the opposition of the powers of darkness. Because friends, that's so real today. And he's saying, how are you going to receive? the things of the spirit by the works of the law is that how you receive it or by the hearing of faith and so when you hear God speaking to your heart then it tells us very clearly that the word did not profit them not being mixed with faith that was in them but he says in verse 3 there in Galatians are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now made perfect by the flesh in other words 
or by your own effort, by, by your own ritual, by your own outward works, you're going to be made perfect by what you do. Thank God today it's not in what we do, it's in what he has done. And so the devil religion is subtle to bring us all back into a place of bondage. But the Bible says, stand fast in Galatians chapter 5 in the liberty where Christ has made us free. So we have a responsibility then as hearers of the word to mix that word with faith, to mix it with faith. There has to be a mixture of not just hearing, but there has to be a faith then that we're going to mix the word of God. What we hear today, we'll mix that in our hearts and then there's a, there's a fruit that's produced from that. Look at the obedience of her faith. She heard, she heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people. She acted. There is an obedience of faith. This is so important because it's, it's not just a wishful thinking, but there has to be an act of faith on our part. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you look at it, and verse 8, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says these words, Hebrews 11 and verse 8, again, Abraham, when he heard, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, the Bible says that he obeyed and he went out, not knowing whether he went. In other words, this is so important because when God brings that word to our hearts, and there's a mixture of that faith in our hearts, then there has to be the obedience of faith. We have to step out into what God has for us. We must, brothers and sisters, collectively, we must step into what God has for us as a people. Listen carefully. You're, you're here this morning individually, wherever you are in your journey. We're following and Naomi here in the book of Ruth. But wherever you are in your journey this morning, whatever you're going through, but you must, when you have the hear, the ability to hear, I believe you do. And number two, when you mix what you hear with faith, but then you must, listen, friend, this morning, it might be that all the powers of hell are against you. It might be that you don't feel in yourself you could make one step. But I tell you, friends, you stand for Jesus this morning and you act on the word of God. I'm going to tell you, he is no man's debtor and he never feels one of us. And if you're willing this morning, all I'm saying is if you're willing, I know he is. If you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. And if you're willing to mix that word with faith this morning, and not only that, you're willing to act on God's word. I'm going to tell you, God's going to meet you this morning. Hear me, God's going to meet you this morning if you're willing to make that step. It might seem like a giant step, but you make that step for him this morning. God's going to meet you right at that point. There has to be the obedience of faith. Without the hearing and without the obedience of faith, there is no miracle. There is no supernatural. We're just doing form. We're just going through the motions. But there must be an act. There must be an obedience in that heart. And so Naomi, Naomi in all her emptiness, and all how she felt, is coming down that road into Bethlehem. And now with her eyes, you see, faith will give way to sight. 
It's not what you see now, but faith puts your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you keep walking. Whenever you're doing this morning, you make sure you keep walking. It might look that it's dark, it's black, and the clouds are rolling in. We know all about it. But if you keep walking, friends, those clouds are going to part. And that sun's going to shine again. And God's going to bring you into where he wants you. And she's walking down that road. And what does she see? She sees all the fields around her. That they're white on the harvest. I mean, friends, she might have felt inside in her own heart that she was broken. She's been through everything. But as the song says, she'd been through enough to know that he's going to be enough. And she walked into that town that day. The fields are white. It was the beginning of harvest time. The season is about to change. If you keep walking. You see, the Bible tells us, here's the word of the Lord. When you pass through the waters, he says, I will be with you. He says, when you go through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned, neither shall the flame can. Why? Because he's the Lord our God. He's redeemed us. It's not if you go through it, it's when you go through it. But he's with me. And you got to keep walking. It's so real. In the beginning of the barley harvest, I want to tell you, friends, make no mistake that timing is everything in God. Listen, timing is everything in God. The Bible says, and you know the verse as well, in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything, to everything, there's a season. I want to encourage you, friend. I know it's a difficult season for some. I do know that. I know that some are really going through it. It's tough. It's dark. And it's hard. You're up against it. I want you to hear me. God knows this morning. He knows that you're going through it. But he's promised he won't leave you. Listen, he will not leave you. This is the reality. When you go through it. It's not if you go through it. You know, and here we might all come along and it looks like everyone has it all together. But we all know the reality. There are some this morning that are going through it. You're up against it. It's real. There is a a sense in this hour. We know we're living in in the last days. And there is a spiritual sense of, of the outpouring of wickedness. Of a real onslaught of the enemy against the church of Jesus Christ. But she's an overcomer. No, she is an overcomer and she will overcome. And so we know we're going straight. There's dark clouds that come. Friends, listen, I tell you, I'll be honest with you. I know there's been a couple of weeks. Nicky will tell you, it has been a tough two weeks. It has been a tough two weeks. I can't put my finger on anything. But I know that there's a spiritual opposition. But what I know is I'm an overcomer in Christ. Nick, you'll tell you, friends, there is a darkness, there is a wage, there's a warfare waged against the church of Jesus Christ, but he'll build the church in the gates of hell and not prevail against it. I know what it feels like to have those waves of weariness or tiredness hit a body or hit a mind, the weariness of the mind. It's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. We've got to know and discern this. We are up against principalities and powers, but we've got the blood of Jesus. Thank God we've got the sword of the Spirit. We have an armor and we're overcomers in Christ. Friends, this morning we must know we, there is a real battle going on, but the, the victor is Jesus this morning. The battle's been won. We're engaged in a warfare. 
But to everything there's a season. There's a time. Look what it says, Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. To everything there is a season. And there's a time to every purpose under heaven. There's a time to every purpose under heaven. Remember last week we looked at the verse, Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. There's a purpose for everything. A time to every purpose. There's a purpose set in your life. There's a purpose Listen, this is not psychology. This is not trying to create. There's a purpose why you're sitting in this meeting this morning, whether you realize it or you don't. There's a purpose. There's no mistakes. There's no coincidences. There's an almighty God. There's a providential hand. There's a God's hand that's upon every life in this room. Even the unsaved, there's a purpose for you being here this morning. Whether you feel that, you think that, or you believe that, doesn't really matter. It matters in the end, but friend, this morning there's a purpose to everything. But here's the wonderful thing about every purpose and every season. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says these words, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Isn't the Lord amazing? Isn't, what does he do in our lives You look back over the years, the seasons, the times that you've been through, and has he not turned that season round? It might have been painful. It might have been a time of bereavement. It might have been a time of sickness. It might have been a time of horror, of darkness. It might have been a time of great discouragement. It might have been a wilderness. But friends, when you look back over that life and you see the mighty hand of God upon it, we know that he makes everything beautiful in his time. It is an amazing thing how God works. You may not see that at the moment, but if you mix the word with faith this morning and act upon it, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see the beautiful hand of God working in your life. It's only God can do it. You know what? When we come back from India all those years ago, we weren't there very long. We were, we were, we, in ourselves, we knew, we felt that we were the greatest failures that walked this earth. We believed that. We know the enemy was on it. It was a dark time. There was a time from 1999 right up to 2002, three years, where it seemed like the darkest time of our lives. I'll be honest with you, friends, because I'm not trying to just be something that I'm not. But we went through a time where there was great pressure on our marriage. There was great pressure on our minds. There was great pressure on our home. We didn't know where to turn at times. We were at the point of brokenness. But I thank God that after three years, God sent his word and God changed our season and brought us a personal revival because he's God and he loves us. The reality that God works in us and works through us. And this is the reality of our lives. We are believers. We're in the world. We're not off the world. But we face difficulties, trials, tribulations, valleys. We go through the wilderness. We go through the fire. But he's with us. And then he sends his word. And what do we do? Then we have to take his word. We mix it with faith. And we have to act on his word. And then God works in a miraculous way. To everything, there's a time. For that harvest that Naomi looked at when she stood as she's coming into Bethlehem, it's an awesome thing because God's in control of everything. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. God's in control this morning. He's in control of the kingdoms of men and all the turmoil, but God's in control. He's working. He's an almighty God. He's infinite. He's beyond us. There's no one like him. 
His power, His majesty, His glory. He is omniscience this morning. He's omnipotent. There's nobody like our God. He's working all things together for good. To them that love the Lord. He's working today for something. If He tarries, it's going to happen in 20 years time. Because He's almighty, He's God. But for Naomi to walk into Bethlehem and see the harvest in those fields white and the barley ready to be harvested, God was already working. Ever before she heard in Moab that there's bread in Bethlehem, God was well ahead of them because he's almighty. And God had began to work a work. Now she walks in and she sees that harvest. What you got to know before there was ever that harvest that was ready, the beginning of the barley harvest. God had to give Israel rain. See, before there to be a harvest, there has to be rain. You cannot have a harvest without the rain. Now, God specifically gave Israel promises concerning rain. If you look at Leviticus 26 this morning, verse 1. Leviticus 26 and verse 1. This is what the Lord says, and he's speaking to Israel. Ye shall make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set it up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbath, reverence my sanctuary, for I am the Lord. And if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, what did he say? Verse 4. Then... I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the fields and the trees of the field shall yield her fruit. Now, when Israel is about to enter in to the promised land, if you turn into Deuteronomy chapter eleven, we know the book of Deuteronomy was penned just at the at the end of their wandering in the wilderness, just prior, just those last number of months just prior they entered into the promised land. This is where Deuteronomy is found. But Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 10, I want you to look at this as God gave them the promise for the land. Verse 10 says, For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not, a, is not as the land of Egypt, is not what you have come out of. For when she came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. This is supernatural. This can't happen by your labor. This must be a thing of the Spirit of God. You know, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so here we see that God sent him the land that you're going to go in is a land of hills and valleys. You know, I know one of my favorite hymns and favorite verses is the comforters come or the showers of blessing over the hills and the valleys, the sound of the abundance of rain. It comes from heaven. It's a supernatural outpouring of the Spirit of God. Verse 12 says, A land which the Lord thy God cares for. The eyes of the Lord thy God is always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Then verse 14 says this, Then I will give you rain of your land in Due season. Now remember, what do we read there? 
to everything, there's a season. And I tell you, friend, I believe in, I'm praying, I'm trusting, and have been, that I believe we're going to enter into a season where he's going to pour out his spirit. If ye shall hearken, then I'll give you your rain, the first and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in the corn, thy wine, and thine oil. You can't have a harvest without rain. You cannot have a harvest without rain. I'll send grass in your fields, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart do not be deceived, or turn aside, or serve other gods, or worship them. And the Lord, then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shuts up the heaven, that there is no rain. And the land yields not her fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord God gives you. The spiritual application of this, this was the reality for Israel as is God's people and the nation of Israel where God's eye is upon. But the spiritual application, brothers and sisters, is this. When Paul's writing to the Galatians, who has bewitched you that you can do this by works? Who has bewitched you that the church with all its modern function and all its apparatus can achieve that which is entirely spiritual by the works of the flesh? It's impossible. This can only happen by a supernatural outpouring of the Spirit of God. The harvest truly depended on rain from heaven, the early and the latter. When they entered into Bethlehem for there to be bread in the house, there already had to be rain. The windows of heaven already had to have been opened. The early and the latter rain, the first harvest after the latter rain is the barley harvest. The early one comes November, the latter rain comes in March, and straight after March, there's the barley harvest. There had to be rain. Without the rain, there can be no harvest. Brothers and sisters, we're speaking of the things of the Spirit. We're speaking of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We know the application here is so important. But in the Spirit, you remember Naomi heard in the land of Moab at a time of a famine, but I believe in the Spirit that we can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Before it ever comes, there's a sense in your spirit that there's about to be an outpouring on this land. There's about to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God has shaken the nation. He's shaken the church. God is bringing a great shake into the nations of the world. We know that's happening. The devil and all and all his power that has been given to him is working in every front to try and bring discouragement, to bring division, to bring and pull the people of God down. But I want to tell you, friend, there is about to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Joel says in Joel chapter 2, the spiritual application is here. The prophecy of Joel, Joel 2 verse 23, if you can turn to it this morning and read it. Joel 2 23. Be ye glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first months. These are prophecies that Joel prophesied of the coming blessed Holy Spirit. Joel 2, 28. 
And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit. Here we see the pouring out of the Spirit of God like the rain from heaven upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned on the darkness, the moon and the blood, before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. We are in agreement, I believe, that we are approaching fast the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here Joel is speaking of rain. Praying poured out, that's the blessed Holy Spirit that was poured out in the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago in an upper room. And prior to the coming of the Lord, there's a latter rain that is poured out upon the earth for a harvest. You know, friends, we need to see a harvest of souls in these days. You know, we are, we need to see, we see all around us the despair, the brokenness. We see generation of young people being swept in, swept into the sewer pit of hell, being overcome with all the different powers of darkness and demonic activity. Demons are real, but so is Jesus. He comes to loose the captive, set the prisoner free. And there is a demonic influence that is coming through the internet, through all the different social media platforms. I know it all sounds good. And I know some of it is used for good things. But the majority of it is used to influence our young people in the demonic activity to to corrupt their minds, to take over their thinking and to, to destroy their identity for who they are, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. The devil's a liar. And what's the answer to that? After a famine, after a dearth, after a time when it's the judgment of God. This is the judgment of God on the nations. The nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. We have turned from the God that loves us. We have turned from Jesus. We have turned from his principles, from his word. We have made void his law. We have gone our own way. Our nation has. Our political leaders have. We have turned to our own way. What is the answer to all of this? As the judgment of God, it's a people that humble themselves before the Lord and cry out, God, give us rain. Send the rain, Lord. Send your mighty power. Send the power of the Holy Ghost. Send the waves of your glory. Come and convict in power. Come in all your glory. Come in your majesty. But Lord, come, we pray. All the apparatus of men. All the mechanics of men, all the politics of men, all the schemes of men will fail, friends. There's a judgment on the nation. Well, what is the answer when my people, when my people are called by my name, will turn from their wicked way, when they humble themselves? What does he do? He's going to open the windows of heaven and he'll heal the nation. We need the rain. We need the rain. It's the rain that gives the increase. It's not the mechanics. It's not, friends, getting together some type of uh, course to try and bring people slowly into the kingdom. You must be born again. 
There's every type of method today to try to slowly bring people into the kingdom of God, friends. It's contrary to the word of God. It's a miracle. It's the grace of God. You must be born again. You must. You see, it is a supernatural work of the Holy Ghost. This is what Paul says. And this is the great preacher of the New Testament. He says these words. I've planted. Apollos is watered. But God gives the increase. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, I can preach from morning until night. I can, I can, I can convince you. I can persuade you. But unless, unless by the power of the Holy Ghost, unless supernaturally, unless the wind of God blows in in that heart and that life, I'm going to tell you, friends, all we are having is false converts. We're just having decisions. We might be filling pews, but friends, listen, it's more important that we're filling heaven. And what we need is the power of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I thank God it begins with a decision. But so often when we hear decisions after decisions after decisions being made, but you go back three months later and they're nowhere to be found. Why? Because, friends, there has to be a, the power of the Holy Ghost. There has to be an increase. There has to be a Holy Ghost move. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, if you turn to it, closing in a few moments, but Acts chapter 2 says these words, Acts 2 and verse 46. And they continued daily, Acts 2, 46, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And friends, praise God, that was that early church. Look at it. But listen, here's how it was, here's how it really happened. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Who added to the church? The Lord. It was supernatural. The increase came because the Holy Ghost was being poured out upon them. Acts chapter 2, you look at the first opening verses. Why was it happening? Here's why it was happening. This is why it happened. Acts 2 and 1. We know it so well. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, time, they were with one accord in one place, unity. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. It sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's why when you get to the back end of the chapter, the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved because the Holy Ghost was at work. God was given the increase. They were responding to the word of God. There was a unity. There was a singleness of heart. There was a simplicity in their gathering. It wasn't complicated. They loved Jesus. They were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. What began to happen? He just began to add to the church such as should be saved. Daily, new converts were coming in. Why? Because when they left that gathering, and I believe this is what the Lord is doing in our day, when they left that gathering of believers, they were so full of the Holy Ghost, wherever they went, they went into the workplace, they went into the shopping center, they were walking down the streets. But I want to tell you, friends, wherever they went, they were the witnesses for the, for the risen Christ. And they were seeing people saved on the streets, they were seeing people saved in their homes, they were seeing people saved in their workplaces, because they were a witness 
was not just on a Sunday. They were witnesses every day. And he added to the church. They were bringing those new converts into the house of God. Where there was a rejoicing. There was the singing. There was the praying. There was the preaching of God's word. And then they went out. And more were added to the church. It wasn't just a Sunday night evangelistic meeting. And that's not wrong. But friends, times have changed. We had a great culture. We had a great heritage of this. But friends, that's largely gone. We must be a people that now go out into the highways and the byways, our workplaces, our homes, our streets, our communities, our neighbors, and tell them about Christ. He will add to the church such as should be saved. The first harvest after the latter rain was that barley harvest. They walked into those fields. The latter rain had already ripened the harvest. The stalks and the head, what happens is they turn from green and then they turn a yellow color. And the last thing I believe was Andy shared with me a few years ago, the last thing that happens to them, and it's true, is that the heads begin to bow over. And now it's time for harvest. What does that speak of? That there is a humility that comes. When men's hearts, you know there's a pride today, you know, there's a pride everywhere you're talking to people. I know there's ones and twos, but largely there's an arrogance against the things of God. There's a pride against God. There's nearly like a, a stiffness against the things of God. They're stiff. But you know what happens when the Holy Ghost begins to move? He begins to soften hearts, and then hearts begin to bow down. And friends, when there's a bowing down, then there's a harvest. How does that happen? The Holy Ghost. It only happens by the Holy Ghost. James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And he has, isn't the Lord been so merciful to us? He has long patience for it. Has the Lord been patient with you? Oh, friend, has he been patient? Has he been long-suffering? And he's waiting until what he received the early and the latter rain. Now be ye also patient and establish your hearts. Why? For the coming of the Lord is very near. Hosea the prophet says, come. There's an invite. Hosea chapter 6, come. Now remember, if you hear, faith comes by hearing, but then there has to be a mix. Has to be a mix of the word and faith, there has to be, and there has to be an act. But the invitation of Hosea is this, come, come, let us return unto the Lord. For he is torn, but he's going to heal us. He is smitten, but he's going to bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, that his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain on the earth. Friends, that's him. It's Christ. Come, let us return unto the Lord. If you're hearing him this morning, this room. You're hearing his voice. He's speaking to you. 
You know, I want to tell you, you need to stick close to Jesus in these days. Listen to me. I tell you, the devil want to work every wedge in. He'd want to work every way he possibly can just to try and wedge in and not communion to get you to grow slightly cooler and cooler and cooler and cooler. Once you walk close, once you were near, once you could hear his voice, and then you find yourself very quickly in a place where you're cold. You're cold and hard. You're backslidden. Perhaps there hasn't been any great big sins committed. But you just found over a period of time, you veered off the path. I tell you, the devil's so subtle. And then when he gets you in a cold place, it seems as though your defense is down, then all the lies begin to come. Do you know the worst thing about that is, there's too many believers are more quick to believe the lies of the devil than the truth of God's word. They'd rather believe the lie of the devil than believe the word that'll heal them and set them free. Friend, God's speaking to someone. Someone's in this room this morning. It's just got cold. There's confusion. There's fear. There's doubt. Now listen to the word of the Lord as we close. Come. This is the word of the Lord. Come, let us reason together. I'll come to you as the former and the latter reign. I'll revive your soul. I'll heal your wounds. I'll bind up. Come unto me. All you that labor, are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Friends, we need the reign. He'll come to us like the early and the latter reign. We need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He's coming. He is coming. If you hear it, mix it with faith and act upon it. He's no disappointment. He's a wonderful saviour. He's so patient. See, when others would say, that's the end, cut them off, they're finished, not trying anymore, aren't you so glad we have a saviour that's long-suffering and he's patient with us and he's saying, come. Let's pray together this morning.